0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. He fumed for,
1: some believe, about 10 years. He let that seed of bitterness take root and grow, and I mean it is fully ripe by the time Absalom, for different reasons, also becomes bitter towards his father. And as soon as he hears about Absalom, he's in.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Bitterness is one of those things that can actually turn us away from the people closest to us. David had a dear friend and close advisor who let bitterness into his heart, and he ended up rebelling against David. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will be sharing about where bitterness will lead us if not dealt with. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Well, then
1: what's the writer of Hebrews saying here? What he's saying here is, is that you can fall behind. Lose speed and not be able to keep pace with the grace of God. And no longer as such are you able to keep moving forward. You can't move on. You're holding on to it. You're holding this grudge. You know, we affectionately refer to, well, I'm waiting on the Lord. And that's a good thing, and that's a biblical thing, and that's understandable. But have you ever thought of it like this? That there are times when the Lord is waiting on you? Come on, JD. What are you doing? You need to catch up. Move on. Or as my wife always tells me, build a bridge and get over it as only a wife can right so let's get back to this analogy of the race okay so we're pursuing that finish line the eyes on the prize the the end zone if you prefer and we're pursuing this goal we're in it to win it we put off everything that hinders us slows us weighs us down keeps us down And now you've got this little thing called bitterness that all of a sudden has shown up and now it's slowing me down. And here the pace of God's grace is moving forward because faithful is He who began that work in me to complete it. We like to say we even have shirts and hats and bumper stickers, you know. I'm a work in progress. (laughs) Some of you are laughing because you're more work than others, but you know who you are. (laughs) I'll raise my hand on that one. (laughs) But if I'm starting to hold on to this grudge, It's actually holding me. It's holding on to me. If I'm holding on to it, it's holding on to me. And no longer am I eyes on the Lord, as we saw last week, eyes on the prize, keeping your eyes. Again, I think of that, I'll never tire of that Isaiah verse, which we're studying on Thursday nights, by the way. He will keep him in perfect peace, perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee. You know, we get our eyes on other people. No wonder we're so bitter and angry and distressed. You'll forgive me, but I've got to repeat this dorky saying because this is so true. If your eyes are on self, you're depressed. If your eyes are on others, you're distressed. But if your eyes are on Jesus, you're blessed. That's so true. So here's what happens. I I, I want to keep up, keep pace, be in step, but if I'm looking over here and holding on to that grudge over there, well then it's just a matter of time before Not only am I weighed down, I'm slowed down because I've allowed bitterness to take my eyes off the Lord. And now I no longer can keep pace with God's grace. Just this last one that I want to spend the remainder of our time on today because to me it's, uh, how do I say it? This is the number one reason that we in our Christian lives allow a root of bitterness to grow in our lives. It's this perceived injustice. Let go of perceived injustice. This is in verses 16 and 17. Again, very interesting to me that the writer would bring up Esau, remember him? Fraternal twin brother of Jacob, whom he was very bitter towards, by the way. He despised him because of a perceived injustice by him. Could you imagine The rivalry growing up in that home with those two boys, oh my goodness. Hatred, strife, bitterness, resentment, anger, fighting. I want to make an important distinction here because it's going to be germane to our understanding of this one truth. There is a distinction between the birthright and the blessing. See, Esau despised the birthright, he wanted the blessing. He wanted the blessing without the birthright. And he had this perceived injustice that his brother Jacob, who by the way is the younger brother, that ain't right, as we say. But see there's this prophecy in Genesis chapter 25 verse 23 that the older would serve the younger. Well, that's anathema, especially in that culture in that day. The firstborn son is the heir apparent, as we would say. He's the one entitled to the birthright and the blessing that comes with it. But not for Esau. He despised it, and he sold it for a meal. And Jacob was... I perceive Jacob to be a very shrewd businessman. I would not like to be on the other end of a negotiation with this guy. Very shrewd. You're hungry, I see, bro. Yeah. You were the firstborn. Yeah, that's right. I'll make you a deal. Boy, have I got a deal for you. And the bitterness and the resentment. He despised his brother. He hated his brother. In fact, when you read on, there's even one account, but by the grace of God, where he was about ready to kill his brother. But God would not allow it. Interesting example. I think we would do well, when it comes to Scripture, to focus in on the examples that are given to us in Scripture. That's why they're there, by the way. I mean, David's the poster child when it comes to this, right? King David, we're going to talk about him in a, in a moment. I mean, the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man after God's own heart. But for those of you that were part of our study through 1st and 2nd Samuel, it was a little bit TMI. I didn't want to know that about David. I didn't want to know about, man, adultery, and then he tries to cover it up when she gets pregnant, and then he has her husband killed. I mean, that's like putting a contract out on his life. This is a man after God's own heart we're talking about. This is King David from whom the Savior would come. See, if I'm God, I would, I would have said, you know what? I'm you're no. You're fired. I'm gonna bring the Savior through a different line, not through David. You adulterer, you murderer, because that's what he was. And I mean, you're going through all of this graphic detail about how he plotted and planned. I mean, he actually sent Uriah the Hittite, the husband of Bathsheba. With a note to his military commander that was basically his death sentence because he tried to cover it up. And he would have no idea that he carried in his hand a message from King David to Joab. I want you to put Uriah on the front lines, then I want you guys to pull back and so that he is killed, and it worked. And here's David thinking, well I got away with that, or so he thought. So this goes on, and we know of course in the account that Nathan the prophet, a type of the Holy Spirit by the way, comes to David and presents him with a a case to judge. And again, too much information my former hero, King David, because he, he's, he becomes incensed. How, how could he? He took the one sheep the guy had, and here he has all these sheep. He needs to be brought forth and put to death. And then Nathan says, David, thou art the man. And he just collapses to the ground and repents. And Nathan the prophet speaks to him and says, God has put this sin away from him. You have to understand, in that time, adultery and murder were capital crimes punishable by death. He should have been put to death for that. Now why do I go into all of that? Because of what we're about to see here. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most chilling examples of bitterness in all of Scripture, it would have to be that of this man by the name of Ahithophel. We have the account recorded for us in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and 16 and there we're told that Ahithophel was King David's most trusted advisor. So much so, get this, when he would speak, it was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God, meaning that it was as if God was directly speaking. That was his most trusted advisor. Some commentators suggest that David and Ahithophel grew up together. They were childhood friends, which would make sense. Very close. His closest and most trusted advisor and friend. In fact, he even alludes to Ahithophel in the Psalms, where we get a glimpse into the heart of David and how deeply hurt he was by this man Ahithophel. Ahithophel? Yeah. What happened? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Ahithophel goes from being David's most trusted advisor to becoming David's most dangerous enemy. How so? Well, he ends up joining hands with his son Absalom, who for different reasons is very bitter towards his father, David. So much so that he forms a coup to not only beseat his own father from the throne as the king of Israel, but he actually seeks to kill him. And Ahithophel hears about this and joins hands with Absalom in this quest to kill David. What would happen that would cause Ahithophel to go from being the most trusted advisor to David, to being his most dangerous enemy? In a word, bitterness. Well as it turns out, Bathsheba, I don't know if you knew this or not, but that was Ahithophel's granddaughter. So it's believed that about ten years go by. So David should have gone out to battle. That's a message right there for men by the way. But instead he stays back, and in so doing, he sees this beautiful woman bathing. And I mean, God is putting up all the stops. No, no, no. Even his advisors, David, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And he blew past them all, sends for her. She comes. He's the king after all. They have sexual relations together. She conceives a child from that, and then he sends her home. Did you imagine when she sends word to him, David, you know, I'm pregnant with your child. It can't be my husband because he's on the battlefield for you, by the way, and for Israel. And he's not even an Israelite. He's a Hittite. Now Ahithophel, this is his son's daughter. Now for you grandparents, I want you to think let that sink in, okay? Your son's daughter, your granddaughter, I hear, I don't know, I mean the Lord will probably come back before we have grandchildren, but if He doesn't, and we do have grandchildren, I hear they're way more better than children. (laughs) Oh yeah, I got a witness there, didn't I? You know, I've heard your guys' testimonies about, yeah, I love my grandchildren, because I can give them back at the end of the day. <laughs> I think the proverb says something about the grandchildren being the crowning jewel. This is his granddaughter, man. And your best friend, childhood friend, your king, your closest friend, has committed adultery with your granddaughter. And he just let it sit and stew, and he fumed for some believe about ten years. He let that seed of bitterness take root and grow, and I mean it is fully ripe by the time Absalom, for different reasons, also becomes bitter towards his father. And as soon as he hears about Absalom, he's in. Did you hear about what Absalom's doing? Yeah, I did. Do you have his phone number? Yeah, right here. I'm going to give him a call. (laughs) Actually, Absalom called him. He was waiting for that call. He was just waiting for that time where he could mete out revenge and get even with David because of bitterness and resentment. Well, do you know how it ends for him? It ends for Ahithophel the way it ends for all who are given over to bitterness. He ends up taking his own life when Absalom doesn't take his advice it's a very fascinating account, by the way. I'd really encourage you to spend some time in the Scriptures in 2 Samuel. you got this guy by the name of Hushai, that when David and all of those loyal to him are fleeing Jerusalem, knowing Absalom is coming. And I mean, it's, it's intense. They, as they're leaving, and David to his credit, knows that if he stays in Jerusalem, and Absalom comes, it'll be a bloodbath. So he says, you know, we've got to get out of here. And all those loyal to David left with David. All those who were not stayed to join Absalom. As they're leaving, they're, they're weeping and convulsing <laughs> bitterly, if I can use that word, for lack of a better one because Absalom is coming, and he does take the throne. And here's the thing. This Hushai says, I'm with you, David. And David says, no, I want you to go back, because you have to counter, and we need to pray, by the way, you and I, Hushai, because if Ahithophel advises Absalom, my son, and my son Absalom listens to Ahithophel, it's game over. It's lights out. So I want you to go, and you counter, and you're kind of like inside intelligence for me too. I need you. You're of more value there, feigning loyalty to Absalom than you are with me. So he does. So it comes time. Here's Absalom now. He's there. (laughs) David has fled, declares himself, fancies himself to be the king. And now he brings in the advisors. What should we do to kill David? Ahithophel gives him his advice first. And if Absalom would have listened to Ahithophel, it would have worked. And so Absalom says, okay, thank you Ahithophel. Hushai, what do you say? How should we do this? And the Holy Spirit comes upon Hushai, and Hushai gives him this counter advice which in effect spares David's life, according to the plan of the Lord. It was totally the grace of God. And it's when Absalom does not take Ahithophel's advice, and instead take Hushai's advice. This is a smart man we're talking about. He knows. Uh Uh-oh, he didn't take my advice. It's lights out for me now. So he goes back to his home, and he takes his own life. Why do I emphasize this? Because that's how it ends. Destroy bitterness before bitterness destroys you. Bitterness destroyed Ahithophel. This must have been a man of God. This is a guy you want in your church as a pastor this is a guy you want on your board as an elder. Must have been a man of God. And you're telling me that bitterness destroyed a man like that? Yes. That's how dangerous it is. And that's why the writer of Hebrews starts off with this list of exhortations, and it's like number one on his list is, you better deal with bitterness. Don't even think about anything else. Deal with bitterness. Don't let a bitter root take root. It will kill you. It will destroy your life. And it does it from the inside out. It eats at you. Do you imagine for 10 years how that was just eating at him?
0: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to calvarychapelkaniohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaniohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.